0: Welcome to Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people. Whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline Travel Trailer, from the studios or on the streets, please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. I've reached into the kitchen cupboards of the talking trailer as we enter the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. (laughs) of 1969 on that August weekend of the 15th through the 18th on Max Yasger's dairy farm in the rural community of Bethel, New York, in the Sullivan County Catskills. The Woodstock Music and Art Fair, the Festival of Peace and Love, Woodstock embodies so many things to so many different kinds of people. It has come to represent a culmination of cultural transformation. On the site today is the Bethel Woods Center for the Arts and the Museum. It was there that I spoke to people on June 2nd, 2008 about what the legacy is for us today you there? Do you wish you had been there? Are you from Sullivan County? Welcome. Thank you for joining me. What's your name?
1: Herb
2: Appel. That weekend, I knew what was going on, and uh, 17B was completely, you know, blocked in. You know, the road, you couldn't go. And people were walking by and everything. And what we did, we gave water, we gave food, we let them use the bathrooms. And uh, of course, they were coming down the road, they were lost and everything. And we were then sending them on their way uh it was a weekend that will never be duplicated uh from what i hear what i see and what my brother-in-law has told me it was just something that you got to behold and remember
0: i have annalise gary with me in the trailer you were there
2: i was there i
0: was here You were here. You were here. Exactly. You were here. I was here.
2: I don't know if I got this far up here on the hill, but I was here.
0: (laughs) Do tell me how you heard about it, how you ended up making your way to the event.
2: I was 15 back in 69. And uh, my boyfriend and I heard that there was going to be a big event here in Bethel and that we should get our tickets. We went and got our tickets. I think it was like a maybe a few weeks to a month ahead of time. And we had three tickets for each of the days. And the event finally came, and my dad found out that uh, (laughs) I had these tickets and he forbid me to even leave the house. Now there's an
0: irony to this, isn't there? There's a big
2: irony to this. Um, It's interesting how things come around. We left where we lived. We lived in a little hamlet outside Liberty called Loomis. And uh, Peter and I left the house and we proceeded to hitchhike down the road And got ourselves here, out to Bethel, finally. What day was this? This was the first day. So anyhow, we got out here, and it was just amazing. We met some other friends out, and we put up a tent, actually right where the hog farm is, was.
0: So where was that? And share with us, Annalise, what the hog farm was. The
2: hog farm was really a series of tents and a group of people. Well, there were tents everywhere, and there were groups of people everywhere, but... It was a a little commune that was set up, and that's where we ended up putting our tent. There are a few things I do remember. (laughs) Very few, but what I do remember, I do remember our tent getting soaked. And the hog farm fed us. We had granola and whatever other crunchy granola things you eat. But um, that's what we had that next morning. I don't remember too much about the first night. I remember a little bit about Saturday. And then I remember I left here, it was either Saturday night or Sunday morning, but I got home and um, nobody was really too happy to see me. And the first question was, why didn't you call?
0: Oh! And
2: there was no way to from,
0: call. How, right, this was from pre, here. pre-cell phone days, right? right?
2: There was no way to call home and to say I was okay or otherwise. So uh, I was grounded for a very long time after my little escapade out here to Bethel. What's wonderful, and it's interesting how things kind of come around and how this story came around to Now My Family. We have the site here, and we've opened up a performing arts center and a museum. And uh, and so we're very, very pleased, and it's very, very interesting. You know, we look back now and to a place where we were forbidden to go, and now we're asking the world to come. There
0: is something so absolutely delightful about... As you describe your father forbidding you to come here, and as you say, your family is the Gary Foundation that now is inviting the world and has really recognized the history Mm -hmm. that's here. And we do have phones here. And now we know why. (laughs) What has the process been like for you? Were you aware (laughs) of something huge happening around you? Is that something you would even know at 15? Well, I really don't think... I
2: wasn't not aware of the capacity of the hugeness of the hundreds of thousands of people that were here until later on, much later on. It wasn't even that week reading in the papers. It was just later on we became, this is history. And uh, we became that history and we are still very historic. It's a beautiful historic site here. But I don't believe that I wasn't really aware of the capacity.
0: And really that it would continue to today and beyond and that this really is a historic site. And people come from all over the world before the museum was here, before the Bethel Woods Amphitheater, before Mm -hmm. the monument, people were still trekking here. Did being here, Annalise, at 15 years old, did it have an impact, that whole era?
2: had an impact on me. And I can reach out to memorable moments like they were yesterday and really touch them and feel them and emotionally feel them. Those years carved my life and my values and who I am today. And um, if I had it to do all over again, I would do it the same way I did.
0: That's a wonderful story. Thank you so much for sharing that. What would you say you carry with you today from the things you experienced and learned and being a part of that time?
2: I think I've just carried the spirit on, the spirit of being here. You know, I moved out here about, oh, eight, nine years ago, and I've been living out here on the property since. And it is just so beautiful here. It's, a, it's such a magical place. I love it here. It's just beautiful here. It, there is magic here on this hill on in, in these mountains right here that's affected my life in every day in every way you know, as I carry my life. It's the magic.
0: The magic.
2: It's all about the magic.
0: Is it true that you once had a teepee?
2: It is true. And I sewed it myself. actually, oh, actually wow. Which, which, not totally by myself, but it took me about two years to sew. It was a Sioux teepee, and I copied it from my girlfriend who had a book by Reginald Lubin, who wrote a book on teepees, different tribal teepees. Mm. And uh, I, too, wanted one and I made a teepee. It was nine foot tall, nine foot in diameter, sewed by hand, cross-stitched, and with many good memories. Where
0: did you set it up?
2: I set it up in a little place. I was living in a, a wonderful little piece of property out in White Sulphur, and I set it up over on the grounds there. From whence it came, there it went. One day in the fall, the wind took it very early, and put it into the pond and the pond was frozen the next day and there was no way to drag pounds of canvas (laughs) sailcloth out of the water. It was an era in my life. I shared it with many, many friends.
0: Oh, that sounds really, wonderful. it does. It sounds wonderful. And what about growing up here in Sullivan County, very rural area, it still is, Mm -hmm. small town. What part of that counterculture penetrated the life here? Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering, was there already an echo of it before it happened? Or did it leave, did that festival leave some sort of residue once it left?
2: I think it left a residue here. I mean, it affected, the festival itself affected the economy, it affected people who live here, people who work here, um, families, grandparents, you know, people of all ages. and. I truly believe the festival certainly has left its mark here and again I want to use the word magical because it was a magical, magical happening and the magic still sings in the hills. There's still the sound of music here.
0: And what's so beautiful about what you're describing is also to think, as you were saying before, how things come around. And to think of that event that happened, which didn't have anything to do with Sullivan County, and now it's everything to do with Sullivan County. It's actually a very beneficial part of the revitalization of it here.
2: We're very proud of that. As a family, I can speak, and knowing that we come from a community giving back to not just the community now but we're giving back to an entire world a very very uh historical and wonderful event and we are allowing that to still survive and to still grow by putting the performing arts center here and the museum and uh you can tell people are coming by all the time they constantly stop at the monument this is the place to visit i love it here i wouldn't live anyplace else. I'm very glad to be a native of this county and to continue to live and give back, not only as a as a person, but as a family to this community, to this
0: county. And, and I'm glad you're here too, spreading the word. Thank you so much. It's so wonderful sitting here, looking out over these beautiful, beautiful hills of the Catskills on Herd Road near the intersection of West Shore in Bethel, New York. What a gorgeous day. And thank you so much, Annalise. Annalise thank Gary. You Sabrina.
3: We set up a tent, as I recall. Went to the concert grounds. And I think I remember seeing Richie Havens.
0: Wasn't he the first one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my,
3: my experience here is rather short. <laughs> we were sitting on the hill. And at some point, it started to rain during Joan Baez. It stopped, as I recall. And then it started again. And we just kind of had enough and went back to our tent. And even by then, we were just so... <laughs> wet and uncomfortable Uh, so that night uh, and I think it rained during the night so the next day we found an obscure pond where there must have been all of six people and we swam and then the next day we left on a cross-country trip to California. I think a huge difference is the corporate structure that exists now. Part of the thinking during the Woodstock era was that money didn't matter. Now it's quite the opposite you know and that that really uh, bothers me. Privatization of everything. Yeah, and the accountability isn't there.
0: Well, thank you so much, Joseph, thank for you. sharing that story. And I'm so glad you spoke about Lavender Hill and brought that into the story. Joseph Modica. Thank you, Joseph. Derek, sorry for the wait. No, come okay. come in. Derek joined me before he Good. It's hot out there,
4: isn't oh, it? Oh, it's beautiful out. Absolutely beautiful.
0: It's a gorgeous day. So you joined me. Thank you so much before you went into the museum. And now you're joining me after having gone. So
4: it's a real amazing experience. I, I was very glad and surprised to see, well, not surprised, but glad to see that it's more of a, a cultural overview uh, than just specifically about the concert it's there's a lot of great concert footage and interviews with the performers but there's also a lot of the styles the television of that day the general atmosphere of why it happened and and what was going on in the country preceding it and after it and they really did a good job between the just the pictures that they have and the bringing the modern technology of uh The touch screens where you can go and overview each year and they have it broken down into categories of music and just by touching a part of the screen you can hear a song, a little clip of a song and it'll show you the artist and tell you a little bit about that song, how it came about, when it was popular and why things like that it was it was a really uh great experience and and i had never been here before but i'll surely come again it's a great place if you get a chance to see any venues here the grounds are beautiful and i imagine hearing music here would be a really great experience
0: now derek derek conway would you say that woodstock i know you weren't at woodstock yeah but the event itself and the music of it and what it has come to represent for us culturally would you say it's changed your life in some kind of way
4: it makes you really uh you think about the emotions of things and, and when you do stuff and how it's going to affect other people sometimes today we don't really think about that we're so caught up in you know the high price of gas, or getting our families, or this, or that, or our job. We, we don't really think of the effect we're having on other people. It kind of makes you reflect and think about everything we do. Really has an effect. These people never thought they were going to change history. They were just coming to hear some good music and have a good time. And even with the rain and all that, all that, it just couldn't kill the spirit. And it's still here. And it, and I think it's brought about by unfortunately bad times in the society a little bit more stress and things the war and the pressures on people and you know a lot of the young people of today now are probably feeling that they got a lot of young people who have friends coming back that are disabled or not coming back unfortunately from the wars and you know some of them don't understand why and you know maybe they'll try and find that question and answer it and maybe we won't have those problems anymore i don't know but I think it'll open a lot of people's eyes. I think it's a good thing for younger people who didn't get to be there. Or like myself, I grew up with the music because my older brothers and sisters lived it. And so I got to be part of that and that feeling. But now today's generation, they come here, they can actually get a sense of it. Not just hearing their old hippie dad talk about it and reminisce about how great old times were. You know, we all do that. And everybody's youth was the good times. You know, it's because you're young. That's, that's part <laughs> you, of being we'll young. Do that, won't you yeah. know, it, it's the good times because the adversity doesn't bother you so much. You don't have so much, you don't worry about it.
0: Well, Derek Conway, thank you so much for traveling all the way from up, upstate New York, from the Canadian border mm-hmm. to join us here today and to share your perspective.
4: My on girlfriend and the I wouldn't have missed it.
0: Hello, Liz and
5: Quinn. Both of us are from the Woodstock area, we've lived there our entire lives. And... I guess we both have parents who the majority of people would would call hippies. Definitely, it's something that we've known about our entire lives, maybe somewhat indirectly. Part of our own identities is
6: kind of trying to understand now as a, another generation what what hippies mean. You know, for us, it's kind of like a a term that's time and place specific. But when we went out to like form our own identities in the outside world, outside of Woodstock in college, it was. It was a very different situation for us to encounter people who identified us as hippies when we very Mm -hmm. clearly thought of our parents as hippies. And what they did is, is, you know, part of that movement and, and culture and, like, just you know, exploring that.
0: Quinn, that's interesting what you're saying. So you thought of your parents as hippies, and some might call them that, and then your friends in college or peer group thought of you that way. So what have you both, Quinn and Liz, found out about those definitions, what it's come to represent?
5: I think a lot of it um, is that people in general aren't really sure what hippie means and we're not sure what hippie means. And you have something like this museum where they're trying to define things, but it's still, it's such an individual thing that's based on, you know, ideas and expressions that a single person has that there's kind of, there's no way to make it a universal thing. And I think there's something that I've found just, you know, being raised with these kinds of ideas floating around, you know, in my consciousness is just that a lot of people in the world don't think. I think the same way. I think it might be a different way of thinking. And definitely I know that, you know, being when I was a late teen and like going out into the world and meeting people from other towns and other, you know, realities, I definitely, I thought people were pretty strange from time to time. And then, you know, gradually came to realize that it was kind of us that was strange. We we go to college together at Sarah Lawrence Mm -hmm. um,
6: down in Bronxville, New York, and that attracts like a, a lot of different types of people. We had never really identified a difference between us and and other people and it's definitely very identifiable when you come into contact with people from all over the country and um coming to the museum is interesting just to see how i'm interested in museum studies and liz's too and just seeing how people are processing this history for next generations and how we're going to be remembering it as opposed to the contact that we have with our parents and how they recount it to us and kind of starting to see its place in history for us and for other people. Thank you, Liz Mm DeCiana.
0: Thank you, Quinn Ferris. If 40 years ago at Woodstock that first shot was fired, as Richie Havens said, He was the first performer on stage that summer of 69 as he sang Freedom. What are the freedoms that we seek now? People come to the site connecting to the place, making a pilgrimage of sorts. Is it the ideals, the causes?
1: So we just drove up from Maryland, from From Baltimore, Maryland, Maryland, and we'll be home tonight. We're going to stay till they close, 7, and then we'll probably be way too early for us. And then we'll head home.
0: So I'm Deb Van Battenberg from Worcester.
1: And also, Deb is a graduate of Kent State and was there, unfortunately, on May 4th, 1971. Mm. So we have the mixed feelings about the 60s from all the fun we had and all the tragedy that went on with all the problems with Vietnam. And, of course, with Iraq, we have two boys, one of which enlisted in the National Guard with a promise of not going to Iraq. This was two years ago, a year and a half ago. And as soon as he was almost finished with boot camp in Fort Jackson, they said, you're going to be shipped to Iraq. So our son, being creative, fake mental illness, and got an honorable discharge from the Army because he was insane. And I told him he was insane for enrolling into the National Guard, so I guess he was nuts after all. So anyway, any rate, he's our 23-year-old son. So we're reliving this whole event all over again. And we have a 17-year-old boy, just last week, turned 17, who's in the, Nas- who's in the ROTC, who wants to join the Army. Craig Van Battenberg is the last name. And my little sister, Darcy, who I just got off the phone with, came to Woodstock when she was 15 and I asked her what happened. I said, tell me that story again because I'm a little older than her. And uh, she told me the whole story of coming to Woodstock and how she legitimately bought tickets and hitchhiked out. When my mother found out that she had come here because she's only 15, the only thing my mother was upset about was the fact that she didn't bring the, the sleeping bag back that she had borrowed, because it was her favorite sleeping bag. And of course, it was so full of mud and crap, she just left it there. But she had an absolutely fantastic time at Woodstock. Yes. She loved it.
0: Deb Van Battenberg from Worcester. I worked in politics when I was in college. I've stayed with it. I've been an activist. I've been a community organizer. I've led volunteering. I worked for the Job Corps. I taught kids community service. I ran community service for junior high kids in Worcester. I've stayed true to those values my whole life.
1: If there was a draft today, all of us long-haired ex-hippies or hippies, whatever you want to call us, who have kids of draft age, would be protesting. We'd be out in the streets. I'm convinced the world, the United States, would erupt again in all the violence and all that same stuff would happen all over again because we were lied to once again about a war
0: welcome what brought you from the city to Bethel New York
7: well I, I was at the festival 69 uh, I was only 15 at the time but 15. It, it, oh yeah I had to come you know it's one of those things what I got from that was holistic Living By that, I mean trying to weed out the chemicals in your diet. Uh, I've been eating healthier food all my life since that time, more of an awareness of the environment. I have not littered since I was about 15. I think that and also that uh, you really can't take your government for granted. They need to be held accountable and watched over. And it's really a government of the people, by the people. And I think we've gotten away from that, obviously. I don't need to get into that.
0: Well, it is an election year. It's an
7: election year. And we either take back the country or we really just flush the whole thing down the tubes and come up with something different. Because the Constitution has been hijacked. And back then, we were just being lied to. And it was uh, the war machine had gone, run amok and gotten out of control. Uh, even the president would seemed powerless to turn it around. But now I feel... That uh, with this huge resurgence and voter awareness and registration, this is history in the making. This is, this is the biggest election we've ever had. Okay.
0: <laughs> Bye, John.
4: Bye.
0: Come on in and talk to me at my kitchen table. I have homemade chocolate chip cookies. And thank you so much, John, John Graziano, for joining me. Well, welcome, Bob, Irene, and... My name is Irene Duranda. Oh, Irene. So, Irene,
8: this is my mother.
0: You have a mother and daughter, two yeah. Irenes. Oh, yeah. In the trailer. You were just And at, Irene
8: means peace.
0: Well, peace to you also. How was your experience in the museum? What was that like? Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous.
8: Yes, absolutely fab- beyond fabulous. It was so impressive as to how they have captured so much history and the way it's being presented. I really enjoyed it and you have to come back and really see it. You have to take time to really see it and absorb it all because it's unbelievable.
0: So I'll say Irene. Mom Irene. Mom Mom, Irene. Mom, Irene, okay. Mom Irene, what was it then about going through that museum that for you was exciting and as you say, you could go back again and again?
8: Well, I love music. I've grown up with my children, my daughter Irene and my son Claude. They have been into music (laughs) all their lives, and uh, instead of fighting it, I join them, and I love music to begin with, so I can go from classical to whatever, and I go to concerts, many of the present concerts, so I'm there in the music world, and I'm glad to see that this will be a commemorative occurrence, of course, but it will be uh, an eye-opener to many people who who were down on a radical change in lifestyle at that time. And for the young people having so much, really so much freedom of getting out there and expressing themselves, and the environmental change that they went through and that the parents were aghast at, (laughs) so. So where were you,
0: Mom Irene, in 1969? What was your relationship to Woodstock and would you say that it changed your life in any kind of way, uh, either then or now?
8: Uh, and what I was it's come learning to about it, you know, like uh, through from the 40s to the 50s music. Um, 50s was okay, but uh, there was something that was, I like freedom of expression. I mean, okay, you had the other things that went with it. It was experimental at that time with many heartaches in between. But, um, you know, out there with the general public and everyone involved, it brought in to life, uh, I think people were much happier than after that. Then we go into the 70s, and the 70s were sort of, now we won't even go further there. But I go with the music, the music from that time, and they're great artists. You know, you can feel it. Their heart was in it. You take all these stars that they just showed in their revolving uh, film. It was there. It was them. And even though they had a short life, they lived their life to the fullest at that time. You know what I mean? Their expression was there. Their love was there. Their dedication
0: And Irene, Mm -hmm. what are some of your favorites? Oh, (laughs) And now, Irene, I don't like to ask a woman her age because, you know, you could hold a gun to my head and I wouldn't tell you what mine is, but what generation are you? We have mother and daughter here, so I'm trying to place you. I'm 80 years old.
8: I've been through uh, this music. Um, I like Jimmy. Of course, I have to like Jimmy because that's my son's favorite, but Janice Joplin, one of my favorites. And Lewis, yeah, I, like, I like Doors, too, I think. I like Doors.
0: Thank you so much, thank Bob, you. Irene, Mom, Irene, and daughter, Irene, also Flower Child. Yes. Irene, yes. thank you so much for joining me. Thank you and for having us. Yourself.
8: It was very important to Irene that she be here on this opening day and to be the first one into the museum. Oh, it was a it special, was. special yeah, event. Sure to get here.
0: I have Duke Devlin joining me at the kitchen table. (laughs) You are the site interpreter.
7: Yeah, well, there's two site interpreters, myself and Lindsay here.
0: Hi, Lindsay. Uh, And for you, Lindsay, you're 18. What does it represent for you as a young person, as an 18-year-old? What what does it mean to be here, and what have you gathered from people's stories as you and and Duke are at the monument?
5: I have to say I'm kind of jealous of it all, you know? (laughs) <laughs> I don't really have have that with my generation. I don't really feel one, you know, with them and that something like that could happen again. But um, I admire it all, you know.
4: We want to steal your trailer and travel, man.
5: Hey, let's all go
0: <laughs> on a road trip. <laughs> I'm hopeful that the magic that people refer to of that time and place, that event, will connect us to each other now so we can be engaged and take action to continue making this world a better place. From the kitchen table, out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artell. It continues to amaze me the legacy of Woodstock And living in the neighborhood where this all happened and driving up Herd Road and being at the intersection of West Shore and Herd Roads and seeing people, no matter what time of year it is, going to that site and to the monument and to the Bethel Woods for the events, to the museum. To find out more about the Bethel Woods Center for the Arts, you can go to www.bethelwoodscenter.org. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. The music for the show, Patti Smith, People Have the Power, Richie Havens, Freedom, Jimi Hendrix, Star-Spangled Banner, Janis Joplin, Try Just a Little Bit Harder. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artell. For more information, please visit trailertalk.net. Special thanks to WJFF Radio Catskill and the numerous people who have donated their time, resources, and conversations to make Trailer Talk possible. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm Sabrina Artel, safe travels.